it feels like it's been forever since we've been able to see Orange County Soccer Club take the pitch as their last match was a week ago against Las Vegas Lights FC, a victory at least. And we have a couple matches coming up, one in Portland and one at home against RVG. We've invited a guest along to come talk RVG with us. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a good week again. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. As we are underway from the champion soccer stadium. First time into the box. It's a great ball. And it bolts in. Oh, it's a world-class goal from Orange County. Chablo, Chablo will have a go off the deflection. And it finds its way in. Selmo shooting from the corner. He put it in. Second opportunity as Andre Rawls shuts it down. This ball finds the top left corner, and Orange County has struck again. Past Hashimoto, Segbert shooting, scoring! Escalante sits on it, and Rawls somehow was ready. And I fight. And they fight over the top. And it down, it's in! Orange County equalizes! What a debut! Not only for the stadium, but for Sola Abalaji. Are you ready, Orange County? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black SoccerCast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm with you each and every episode as we talk all things Orange County Soccer Club. And uh, joining me as he does each and every episode himself is Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how's everything going for you today? It's pretty good. Enjoying everything. It's uh, it's it. It was a weird weekend, right, Dylan? Without an Orange County match to sort of uh, put on your calendar and at least know that you had something to watch uh, on a Saturday or Sunday. Uh, I, you know, I, I sort of didn't know what I was going to do that evening. Uh, I don't know if you were able to take advantage of the free time. Um, I didn't do anything uh, in taking advantage of that free time. I. Since that, I have had no idea what day of the week it is, just because there hasn't been a game. Um, so the the anchor to my week was thrown off last week. Um, yeah, it just it feels later, weird. So. Yeah, it does. I was like, what what do I do this evening? Like, um, well, and we're coming on to record this podcast. <laughs> we're coming on to record this podcast, and it feels like it's been like forever since we've um, had anything to talk about Orange County wise. Uh, I know I know our Twitter feed hasn't been as active as it would be on a on a game day weekend. Uh, because really there wasn't much to talk about. Uh, there was some stuff that came out uh, yesterday uh, about one of our players and some awesome great news and a couple other little tidbits there that we might be able to touch on as we go through the episode. But, you know, let's uh, let's sort of try and remember back to last Wednesday, which was uh, the most recent match for Orange County uh, in Irvine as the, uh, the circus show known as Las Vegas Lights FC uh, came to town and... Uh, you know, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty fun match to be at as a fan, I guess, uh, for a middle of the week uh, match and whatnot. And you know, our friend uh, Carson Merck from the Las Vegas Soccer Betting Hour, and also he writes for Orange County uh, Soccer Club on their website. He sort of let us know that it's pretty much 
uh, you know, expect the unexpected is, you know, that was what our title for our last podcast was because it just sort of seemed perfect from what we were talking about. And it sort of came out and, and sort of played out that way with this just wild, um, wild, wild west style uh, of soccer. Maybe not as much as people have seen from Las Vegas in other matches, but still, you know, it was uh, there was a lot of contact and maybe some poor refereeing uh, to, you know, lose control a little bit of some of that early on. Uh, Dylan, I know you were there. I know um, your, you, you know your your partners over there at Caroline Coalition were trying to at least get the numbers up there, and you guys were pretty loud. We could hear you on the the broadcast. Uh, what were your thoughts? Just sort of uh, first reactions, you know, after that match ended. What your what you were thinking uh, from what you saw out there on the pitch? And more than anything, I was really really pleased. Um, and my prediction. Without going back and actually listening to it, I'm pretty sure my prediction was spot on, where I predicted Enneboltson and Seton to um, give Orange County a 3-1 victory. Um, I expected that we would concede a goal, and I expected that um, it would be pretty early on as we were settling into the match. Um, I feel like we've seen a decent amount of that this year. Um, first time we went to Phoenix, lost 1-0 uh, off of a 13-minute goal. Um, just a few weeks ago against Portland, had to... Um, scavenge and uh, and drag up for that 2-2 uh, draw. So I assumed we'd concede first, and we did. But from that point on, um, Orange County really turned it on, and especially Annabelle and Seton did. So there were some negatives, definitely. Um, Andre getting sent off was a pretty big hit, and I was, was worried. Um, no disrespect or no offense to uh, Casey Byers, um, but coming into a match in the 60-ish if minute with uh, no real warm-up and facing a free kick I was wondering how that was going to go um, Vegas didn't really test him as much as I thought they would um, which was great for us because it meant that their uh, their attack wasn't as, um, as strong as it could have been but when he was called upon uh, Byers did a really good job so more than anything just uh, positive emotions. It was a nice little, uh, nice little buoy for the midweek, I think. And and I, you know, we'll get straight into it since you sort of brought up the Andre Rawls thing. Uh, you know, yeah, it was. Um, you know, maybe when we were sitting out there at the the stands, you know, we don't have the angle there when we're in the the bleachers there behind the the goal line. Uh, to see exactly where Andre Rolls was on that. But I think uh, we talked about it sort of right after it happened, and we sort of all agreed that it was just outside of the box. And, you know, my biggest question on that, and, and you know, I can't really, you know, say that I would have done any different than Andre in that situation. You know, I don't play in those type of situations. I, I don't play goalie in the USL for – or I don't play goalie professionally – anywhere so or even amateur uh so in that situation i can't say that i would have been able to react differently but you know taking that 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 fan goggle look at it uh the question that came to my head right away was you know why wouldn't he have just tried to head that ball uh, out uh why did he why would you even risk utilizing your hands in that situation again we can't really you know say that you know it's an easy decision to make as a goalie in that situation but that was sort of the big question coming out of my mind uh, but when we sort of talked about it afterwards, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that he was just outside of that that penalty box when he grabbed the ball. So um, disappointing to see him 
uh, get the straight red card, uh, get sent out of the match, especially in a match that was 2-1 at that point. And, you know, this match was important for Orange County. Like you said, luckily, uh, Casey Byers sort of on a, you know, you know, with no warm-up, sort of just, oh, no, I got to get out there type, type, you know, situation and then have to get there right for a, a free kick right side out of the box. Um, you know, props to him for being able to get in there. I know he wasn't really challenged on that free kick right away, but and, and like you said, he wasn't really challenged for most of the night. Props to our defense on that. And I guess props to some uh, poor shooting from Las Vegas or poor attempts at least. But, you know, I, I I was disappointed to see that Andre got that straight red and got ejected. I understand it. I, I, I think uh, talking with you at the match, Dylan, you understand what happened there as well. Uh, just a little disappointing um, as a fan for Orange County on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that play definitely just seemed like the ball was going a little bit slower than what they would have been comfortable with for that 50-50 coming in. Um, I'd say that Andre should have headed it, and I'm wondering if he was just worried about a, a follow-up shot and he'd be left high and dry um, up on the 18 before they would uh, before they could cover that, that second ball. Um, I don't... I, I feel like I do this every week, if I can complain about the refs for a second, but... <laughs> Um, we see a straight red for Andre there, which is fair. Um, if he is the last man, which is the goalkeeper you'd expect. Debatably, was second to last man. I get that it was such a, a bang-bang kind of situation. We'll say he was the last man. Straight red card, yeah, handling the ball outside the box, preventing a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Um, a few weeks ago, San Antonio comes to town, and Diego Restrepo goes straight for Seton. Doesn't go for the ball at all. Last man, and escapes with a yellow card outside of his box. Um, and and no no ban for violent conduct or anything. Um, I'm not going to suggest that there's a USL um, favorite. They're against um, us. They, that, yeah, that they that they <laughs> favor San Antonio or that they favor Diego Restrepo. Um, I know he's been in the league for a while and they've done a lot of social media stuff involving him. Um, but I don't think that's getting him anything on the on the referee side. A week in or week out so um, I think Andre didn't see anything about it in the dis- discipline report um, but I think Andre will just serve, serve the ban for getting a red and then he'll be back on in which I think um, barring any return of, of Lopez leaves us with Casey Byers tonight um, and I shouldn't say leaves us saying that we are at a disadvantage um, he came in and had a really strong match against Colorado Springs and then the game that we lost against the Galaxy, I wouldn't put any of those <laughs> goals on, on him at all. So um, he's a really solid backup, and it looks like we'll have him for uh, another game. Well, and, and like we said, props to him for being able to come into the match uh, on you know on a snap of a finger without any a chance to warm up. Really, I mean, uh, you know, as a goalkeeper in most professional leagues, uh, if you're the bench goalkeeper, you really don't ever expect to have to come into the match. And you look at soccer matches all around the world it's probably you know, i'm just making this number off the top of my head but i'm just sort of guessing probably less than one percent of the time you have to have your bench goalkeeper come into the match for some reason so when you have something like that going on uh you have casey Byers able to come in and help out i mean it's it's just an amazing situation and we got a chance to speak with casey after the match uh in, to sort of share his experience in that situation and here's what he had to say 
All right, this is Ray with the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. I'm here with Casey Byers. Uh, Casey, uh, how was it? Uh, you know, you got thrown in there sort of out of nowhere. How did that uh, feel getting it's in? It's always interesting, you know, but it's kind of the life of a goalkeeper. At any moment, you can go in, so it's always interesting. Uh, you know, you, you've had limited playing time this season, which I know could probably be a little frustrating or, or whatnot, but what have you done to keep yourself prepared for the moments like today? You just keep telling yourself that these moments are going to happen, you know, like you got to be ready for anything at any moment, you know. Andre's been doing great all season, so I just got to be ready. You know, he, he got a little knock on against Phoenix, and I had to come in for Colorado, and then here, you know, you know an unfortunate red card, you just got to be ready, and that's what you always got to be thinking when you're training and everything. Did, uh, did you know, what was going on in your mind, like, you know, you saw the red card. Uh, uh, do you think that should have been a red card on that, in your opinion? Uh, it's tough. I, I caught it kind of at the last second. I can't really see. I couldn't really see the line. So for me, I can't really. I don't. I don't know. I, you know, I see it, and then I started like I was like, oh, you know, free kick outside the box, and then I saw the ref go back to his back pocket, and I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta run over there and get ready. So. No, definitely. Yeah. And uh, so you guys have been on a good roll, uh, mm -hmm. good form lately. Uh, do you guys, do you think you guys can keep this up? And uh, you know, we're getting under that push at the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. I think we can. I mean, we just keep being consistent. We'll be good. Um, we have a good group of guys here. We got a lot of talent here, and right now it's clicking, as you can tell. So, awesome, perfect. Thank you so yeah. much. All right, so that was Casey Byers after the match. Again, having to jump in onto the uh, pitch because of the red card to Andre Rawls. Uh, an amazing uh, you know, job from the team in that to sort of uh, not let that impact the remainder of the match. They were actually able to score another goal after that. Uh, Dylan, let's talk quickly about these goals. Uh, it seems like and you mentioned, uh, I think, at the Phoenix match, you got a chance to sort of speak to some of these players that this chemistry between Enavoltzen and Michael Seaton is starting to click in, uh, something we didn't see as much earlier in the season. It just seems like those two are on this, like, this, this, they're, they're, they're on the same page now, and they basically can know where the other one needs to be for the passes. Uh, and we saw that in this match. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I would say that it, it isn't just um, starting to click. I'd say it's completely clicked at this point. Um, they basically talked about how they hate having to play off to the side because um, it pulls them away from one another now. But we're looking at uh, two guys that I think combined have 23 goals in the USL, um, which leads any any attacking duo um, East or West Conference. So sucks to be Cincinnati in that regard. I think they're normally used to holding that... Um, that little statistic, but these guys are just in amazing form right now. And any time where you have uh, two guys up there um, in the in the Golden Boot race, that's huge for your team. Um, and Voltson's on 14, um, Seaton's on nine, and it seems like most games now um, both of them are scoring. So you know, that boats really well for our team. It it means that if one of these guys has to miss out on a match just by arrest or or anything like that, um, or maybe one of them's having an off night. The other one is definitely capable and definitely there in form to pick up the slack. So um, it's looking good for the last few matches of the season. I guess there's a few more than a few matches, but it's looking good for the last uh, month and a half of the season and, and looking forward into the playoffs as well. Well, and it's, it's amazing because, you know, the, the league is recognizing the great play of these two players. Pretty much they're recognizing the great play of Orange County in general over their last seven matches where they've, uh, they haven't they have lost a match. But, uh, you know, you got Anna Voltson, who's been, uh, you know, a member on some team of the weeks throughout the season. And you got Seton, who recently has 
uh, joined the ranks of multiple uh, Team of the Weeks. And this most recent one, he wasn't just Team of the Week, he was Player of the Week for the USL. And, and again, it was just that wonderful connection between these two players. Uh, Seton set up Enna Voltsen for the first goal, and then Enna Voltsen paid him back for the next two goals, set up Seton perfectly for two more goals in the, in the match. So when you can have a, a performance like that, you know, where... Seton can score two goals, get an assist on another. Uh, it's an amazing performance, and, and it's something that, like you said, uh, bodes well for the remainder of the season for Orange County. And it's great to see that uh, that they've they've gotten that connection going pretty well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got a chance really quick to speak with uh, Seton after the match, and this is what he had to say. Good. All right, this is Ray Samore with the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. I'm here with Michael Seaton. Michael Seaton, uh, you know, I mean, you came out of Phoenix, a great game, you know, followed up with another great game tonight against Vegas. Uh, how does it feel? I feel it's great, especially going in with uh, momentum coming off that Phoenix game. I feel like uh, I can definitely keep this going, plus my teammates are backing me, and I think that's most important. The teammates and the fans believe in me as well. So, uh, you know, how, how are you keeping this up? You know, you good run of form like what are you doing is, is it anything different or you just continue doing the same stuff or same stuff the only thing that I've basically changed this is my mentality being calm you know what I mean in, in the game knowing that my chance will come and when they do come take them even when I miss one don't get frustrated off the first one I think that was the biggest thing coming in but I think that happens a trend for me like every team you know like I will come in at the beginning of the season start off pretty cold because I don't know the team you know what I mean and I'm getting acclimated with the weather and or the place you know what I mean and but I always pick it up especially when the team is believing me Awesome. And, uh, you know, are you going to, you know, like I said, we're just talking about this run of form. You think you can, you guys can keep this up, not just you yourself, but the team as a whole. We're heading to the final stretch here of the season. Yeah. You guys have what it takes to, to make the push and make oh, a deep run? 100%. Uh, especially everybody's tuned in, and especially the guys off the bench. Everybody's working for each other. Even if it's like I'm on the bench, you know what I mean, Thomas on the bench, whoever, you know, we still know that we're going to come in with a mentality that we're starting. So I think everyone has the mentality that they're starting, so that's going to push us into the playoffs and even further. All right, so that was uh, you know player of the week in the USL, Michael Seaton after the match in Las Vegas. He scored two goals, assisted on the other. So a, a great performance overall for the team, uh, even though they went down early in the match and although their starting goalkeeper got a red card and ejected, they were still able to pretty much dominate the match, uh, albeit a little bit of stuff going on with the ref and just some physical play out there. But it was great to see uh, no major injuries or no injuries come out of the match. I know that was one of your concerns, Dylan, uh, when we talked last week. And uh, now we get to move on and look forward to uh, the upcoming matches. Uh, before we do that, Dylan, let's just talk really quick or let's make our uh, picks for uh, performer of the match or player of the match. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off with you. Wh who do you think, uh, who, who do you want to give props to in that match for Orange County? Uh, I'll give props to two players. Um, Michael Seaton, definitely. Two goals and the, um, the go-ahead goals at that and the, and the brace. Um, Really put that game on ice after, uh, I know his third game, or third goal came in about 10 minutes after Andre got sent off. And that re that goal really put the game on ice. Um, 10 men, I think it gave enough um, belief in Orange County and, and kind of, um, trying to think of the word, uh, created enough um, dismay in, in Vegas to, to really keep them off of maybe what their their a game is um whatever that is just seemingly uh you know, cautions and, and red cards um outside of that i'm going to give it to casey byers for coming in and having a pretty pretty strong final 35 minutes two excellent choices there dylan uh, i'm gonna uh, throw out thomas and as my uh 
you know, player of the match or the person I want to call out on this match. Again, that hookup between him and Seton is is working perfectly right now. Hopefully they can keep that up and hopefully those two just continue to be in sync for the remainder of the season because that, uh, if they can continue to do that, that definitely bodes well for the, the team and, you know, for the fans that are supporting this team. So, again, props to Orange County on that match. It was a great match, great three points. Uh, and with those three points, they remain in second place in the West heading into the next set of matches. Uh, so uh, now let's go ahead and sort of look forward to the upcoming couple of matches for Orange County. But before we do that, I want to just remind everyone that the Orange and Black Soccer cast is part of the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, BGN.FM is where you can find our podcast. You can also find written content and you can find other podcasts that cover the USL. One of those podcasts that's part of Beautiful Game Network is the Down in the Valley podcast. They help cover Rio Grande Valley FC Toros or something like that. Uh, and because they are part of our group, we were able to uh, you know, ask one of their uh, hosts to come on with us, Jacob. Uh, and uh, Jacob's joining us here on the podcast. Jacob, welcome to the Orange and Black Podcast. How's everything going for you guys out there in Texas? Well, I mean, it's Texas and it's RGVFC at the moment. Everything's not going to plan, at least for this year. As you can tell, RGVFC, if I'm not mistaken, only has three wins this season. Yes, one of them being against you all very, very early in the season, but nothing really came of that win for RGVFC that early. Well, it, it, you know, and I remember that match sort of, uh, you know, in, in the back of my mind through the season because Orange County got off to this wonderful start, and then there was this little part of the season where they seemed to just maybe struggle a little bit, couldn't figure out how things were going. So, um, you know, again, welcome for, uh, thank you for coming out and joining us. Uh, you know, it's great to have some of our partners come out because although Dylan and I, we do tend to follow, you know, some of the matches around the league, no one really knows, uh, you know, the team except for, you know, the fans of that team or at least the people that cover those teams. So like Orange County, if you need to know about Orange County, Dylan and Ray, or Dylan and Ray, Dylan and I uh, definitely feel comfortable discussing and, and sharing our opinions and stuff. But when it comes to other teams, that's where, you know, I want to have a little bit of an opinion, but, you know, I, I can't sit there and say I'm an expert of every single USL team. So, again, thanks for joining us on this. Yeah, of course, it's great to be here. Thanks for having having me. And, yeah, let's, let's get to it. <laughs> it should be fun. Yeah. So, really quick, though, um, because before we face you guys, we actually have a match coming up tonight uh, here against Portland Timbers 2. Uh, as we travel up to Portland, Portland came down a few weeks ago and they sort of, um, I guess, I, I don't know what to call it, is I think we as Orange County fans sort of expected to be able to win. Portland's had this up and down season. They got off to a wonderful start, were pretty high up on the table. Then they got into a little bit of a lull and it seems like they've sort of recaptured things on there. But they, they were able to draw with us in this weird middle of the day match on a hot day with probably two to 3,000 uh kids from day camp attending the match uh so it was just this weird situation dylan i don't know uh what your thoughts are on um this reverse fixture here where we're traveling up to portland uh you know to try and get i guess a re some revenge against timbers too what are your thoughts uh, what do you think are you pretty confident heading into this match or does this match worry you a little bit dylan oh thank god this match is at 7 30 or 7 p.m um I think that is going to make the biggest difference for our team. Um, talking to the players that day, I know a couple of them talked about it's just, you know, starting a game at 12.30 in the afternoon really messes with your preparation and and um, that little ritual that you get going before a match. So with a Wednesday night, um, 
kind of like how they did against uh, Vegas. Uh, they have you know, that normal amount of time. Normally they would be training, I guess, on a Wednesday, or they'd be done training by the time they're playing, but um, they can go about it as if it's a, a Saturday, um, go through their routines and, and have everything sorted out. Um, I'm expecting a lot better performance this week. Um, I think having recently played them, uh, Orange County will be a little better suited. I don't think that uh, Portland necessarily has the depth or the quality to completely change the way they're going to go at this match. It might be something similar where they just work on the counter to try and break past uh, the Orange County defense. And I think this time um, Cloutier and company will have it solidly locked down so that um, maybe we've got our faster center backs in there, maybe Walker Hume and, and Cornali, and uh, maybe some better support for them. So I'm expecting a much better result uh, tonight than than what we saw two, three weeks ago. Now, uh, Jacob, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, because I, I just sort of talked about how, you know, we're, we're experts of certain teams. We're probably not experts of all these teams. I don't know if you have any recollection. Has uh, has RGV faced Portland at all this year uh, yet? I know there's some weird schedules sometimes where you don't face teams until uh, end of the year. And if they have, do you recall, you know, how those matches turned out for you guys at all? Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely, actually, I do. I believe both those games were kind of early in the season, if I'm not mistaken, and they were kind of weird. One of them, we played Portland, and then we played Seattle, I believe. And when we played them on the road, they beat us either 3-2 or 3-1, something like that. And what, what happened was it was just set pieces. That has been RGVFC's struggle all season long has been set pieces. And then when we played them at home... Uh, our player Aldo Quintanilla on defense was supposed to be guarding his man because on set pieces the key is you guard each man and don't let them score on set pieces. Well, that's not what RGVFC did in Aldo Quintanilla. He's kind of got near his man but wasn't able to get the ball away and so it ended in the back of the net. So that's one of Portland's strong suits. If because they are taller, and yes, RGVFC is a smaller team. If you get them, you can get them easily on a set piece. So I guess uh, you know when you're talking about they're kind of taller. Luckily for Orange County, is Orange County has a good amount of height, especially in their back uh, their back line there. And um, so hopefully, you know, you, you talk about set pieces for Portland. Um, you know, that's something that you know we recently faced them. So hopefully, the team. Uh, has a better idea of what to expect on this, and you know, I, I'm I'm hoping for nothing more, nothing less than a win in this matchup. Uh, Orange County, the way they're playing recently, I know Portland's on a three-game winning streak. Uh, I know they're coming off a big win over Seattle, four-one, but that's Seattle. Um, you know, it's not the the greatest measurement of, of success. Orange County's coming in as one of the hottest teams. We're sitting in second place on the table, so three points. It's it's three points or bust on this uh, this swing up to. Uh, Portland for for Orange County, right, Dylan? Yeah, um, I mean, we're also coming off of um, three wins, and we're coming off of two of those three wins against substantially, um, I guess, um, against better opposition. Uh, that 4-3 against Phoenix stacks up a lot better than the 2-1 the against San Antonio that Portland just had. Um, so, I think the way results have been going for Orange County, they'll have that confidence from from grabbing nine consecutive points and they'll be making to look at 12 but they aren't 
hopefully they aren't going to be um, complacent. I think each game's had enough of a of a worry and um, and a challenge that this team is is locked in and focused each match, even if it does take about 15 minutes to get going. So hopefully tomorrow night they either get going immediately, or if it takes them that 15 minutes, uh, they don't get punished like they did a few weeks ago. No, definitely, and, and the fact that it's just not one of those weird start times, um, you know, these these weird midday starts in the middle of the week where you can't really get, you know, fans have to work, and it's not like, I get it, you know, baseball can do the whole midday game because they have to go travel, uh, they pretty much play a game every night, and it's Major League Baseball, they have a big enough fan base where even if it's a 12-30 a first pitch in, in Major League Baseball, you're still going to get, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 fans out to the stadium, depending on how big your stadium is. USL, it's a different animal. USL doesn't have this dedicated fan base, hasn't been around for 100 years or whatever. Uh, Soccer still you know, is still trying to grow, still trying to, you know, compete with the bigger brothers of those major sports. Uh, and that's talking MLS. USL is, you know, even uh, struggling more for that. So to have this weird two, 1230 kickoff on a Wednesday uh, in in some heats, uh, uh, you know, I apologize, Jacob, if I'm talking about it being hot when it's like 90-something degrees because I know you guys deal with some really, really hot weather out there in Texas. But, you know, it's just difficult when, you know, you have a stadium full of kids, uh, that are their day camp, and they really don't know who they're supposed to be cheering for or whatnot. So hopefully with this matchup in Portland at a regular kickoff time, uh, you have a, a more focused group, a team that can go through their regular uh, game day preparation. Is this not this weird stuff? So um, I don't know, Jacob, have have you guys over there uh, had any of these weird midday, midweek uh, kickoffs, or are you guys pretty set with normal kickoff times? We did that once during the school year. Uh, I do recall this pretty well because I was sitting in class and just decided to look at my phone a bit to check the score because it was a 10 a.m. kickoff, if I'm not mistaken. And 10 a.m. in Texas, let me tell you something, that's not great. And it was around the time where everyone was take, where schools were taking their tests. So it was not really well planned. We Our stadium holds about 10,000. There might have been at least maybe 4,000 kids there, which, you know, that's not going to sell out a stadium, which isn't cool, because you can have a loud atmosphere with a lot of kids just yelling for no reason. But, yeah, a 10, I mean, yeah, 10 a.m. start time was not fantastic and in the heat, so it did not help. Plus, one of the uh, players from Houston came down to help with that game, too, and he had gotten in that night before, so... The night before, plus waking up early, did not really help. Well, and when you throw these players, like, th- these players have these routines. They go through specific routines on game day. They, you know, have these specific routines on practice day. So, like, say, a Wednesday day for Orange County, they are practicing during the day. They're not prepping for a game unless they have an evening game. But even at that point, they practice in the day. Then they can go through their game day routine or, or at least their preparation. So this weird, you know, fluctuation of uh, or this weird one time or two times of throwing this, you know, early game in the, in the lineup I don't care who you are. It's going to throw you off on your, your normal um, preparation. So, uh, you know, thanks for sharing that, uh, that experience. 10 a.m., I couldn't even imagine. I, I, don't, I don't know what your front office was thinking or, or whatever with that because just I couldn't picture trying to get up and, you know, what, heading to the stadium at 9 a.m. to get there to have fun. I mean, who even, you know, I, I, I get it. People still will drink at that time. But it just seems weird going to a, a, a soccer match or a sporting event that early and like, oh, let me crack open a beer at 9 a.m., uh, or whatnot. So, 
Um, so you know, Jacob's here because we want to talk about uh, RVG. You know, he's you know he's he's definitely uh, felt free to join us uh, or uh, taking time out of his uh, his schedule to join us on that. So really quick though, before we go there, let's just sort of throw out Dylan um, your prediction for this match. Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to be the key uh, person for uh, Orange County or for the match? Ah, uh, man. A three-two Orange County this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see how our defense um, lines up tonight to deal with um, Portland's pace. I mean, they are a younger team, and we've got some young center backs. But you know, a nineteen-year-old uh, right winger or or a striker is going to be substantially faster than just about every center back um, in the world. So, I'll give. Portland some credit. They're on some good form, even if it's not against the same quality of teams as Orange County. Um, and they've been scoring pretty prolifically for the last five as well. So I'll give them two goals, but I think Orange County still has the quality and the depth to see that off. I think uh, probably Enna Volton will be getting back on there. And I mean, at this point, I don't think you can really say that you don't expect Enna Volton or, or Seton to get on the score sheet. So real. Um, the real discovery will be who's that other person um, or who's setting up that play for them. All right, so um, I'm going to be, I guess, a little bit more confident. I hate that I'm using that word right now, Dylan. Oh, this is how you always know how this goes. Thank God you don't have press credentials this game. <laughs> uh, You're but not I'm, going, right? Uh, no, I'm not traveling up to Portland for this match. Uh, Easy but <laughs> I, I hated that I, even, I, I wasn't even thinking when I used that C word there, but... Uh, I'm going to go forward to Orange County. I, I do agree with you that I think uh, we won't be able to stop Portland. Portland's going to get some goals in there. They're on a good run of form. Uh, but I'm I'm looking at this match, uh, the previous result between these two teams. Uh, I think Orange County comes in focused. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things uh, I feel pretty confident when I've talked about Orange County needing to be focused for a match. They typically are. I, I see that previous result of a, of a draw in Irvine as sort of that um, that food for thought for this Orange County team to make sure they come out focused in this match. And they're on a great run of form, Seton and, and, and Volts. And the only thing that is, is potentially hurting them right now is the fact that they didn't get to play this weekend. Uh, so they have an extended break, I guess, between Wednesday matches here. Uh, but I, I think we'll get at least one goal from each of those guys. Uh, and I think maybe we can get uh, Gio Godoy with a goal out there as well uh, for this match. So I'm going to go 4-2 on the match for Orange County. Uh, Jacob, before we jump into the RVG match, do you want to, as an outsider, just sort of give your thoughts? What do you think uh, will happen with Orange County and Portland tonight? Well, yeah, Orange County, they're, like you said, they're also on a pretty good form as well. It does stink that you guys got a red card for your goalie, as I was able to catch. But, yeah, Portland Timbers as well, they've been on a pretty hot form. And if they do end up beating you all then they will be right behind you all in the standings trying for trying to catch real monarchs to be exact so it will be an interesting game if i had to go with who will probably win it will probably because of a road game i think it would be a draw and a draw about two two you know and and a draw is not a bad choice in this i mean anytime as a, a team uh, it, especially against a quality opponent, if you can, you know, travel to their stadium and leave with one point in, in your pocket, 
I, I think you take that almost any time on the road against quality opponents. But again, I think Dylan and I are just hoping that uh, there's a little bit more fight in this Orange County team and uh, hopefully uh, they can leave with a full three points. But, you know, I, I, I would not be shocked if there ends up being a draw in this match like you have said, Jacob. So um, not a bad choice, not a bad uh, decision there. All right. So let's uh, get into what Jacob's really here to, to help us out with, because uh, I, I will admit myself, I don't really know much about uh, RGV. Uh, Dylan, I don't know if you would consider yourself even a semi-expert uh, of RGV. Uh, so we got Jacob here to help us sort of learn a little bit about this team, because uh, after we face Portland on Wednesday, we have a match against RGV on Saturday uh, as uh, Orange County looks just continue and, and push on. So... Uh, Jacob, you sort of already started talking a little bit of our, about RGB here, uh, but just give us uh, sort of your season recap up until now. Just sort of, I know you talked about, you know, you guys have like three wins on the season. Uh, you know, what is it that the fans are thinking on this team or are there, you know, are the fans struggling with this season? Oh, yeah, the fan. well, the fans first off really don't show up. Last year, the fans averaged from the USL website around 7,000. This year since it is the second year with the new stadium, they are averaging around 4,000 plus uh, for selling tickets. So it's not been that well with the fans. And of course the front office about a month ago uh, switched out from the president stepping down and then everyone else stepping down after him or getting let go. And so then basically a new group had to, come in as fast as possible so that hasn't really helped anything around there though going to the coach's perspective uh Jerson Echeverry is our head coach he's been pretty well this year he was from Seton Hall so this is his first year uh coaching I guess professional soccer if you want to go there but and he's done a pretty okay job for his first year he's a really good head coach the only problem is that just it's the players the players are kind of lacking at the moment one time the defense will step up and the offense won't show up at all throughout the game where the offense just will have maybe one or two shots on goals and so that'll be a problem and then the defense won't show up but the offense will and so we'll have games like one time versus fresno fc I believe we tied 2-2. So it's just this constant uh, fear of will will they or won't they show up, basically. And they didn't show up against none other than Oklahoma City. And no one really cares for Oklahoma City in this league, I don't think, <laughs> except for Oklahoma City fans. So it, it they lost 4-2 this weekend, and it's just... At this time, they have not been in good form at all. Hopefully, it can go back to normal when they play against their rivals next Wednesday, San Antonio FC. I'm hoping for the best, but I really don't know at this moment anymore in the season. Well, I I get that. I, you know, I, I I sort of laugh because I, I think we've had a few guests in here where they talk about maybe some of the fan numbers. And you mentioned, you know, last year you were at about seven thousand. This year about four thousand. I, I I would be pretty confident when I when I would say something that maybe Orange County, the front office, would be pretty excited with a four thousand uh, fan a night sort of attendance at these matches. Uh, you know, I, I 
I know, you know, the fan support has been growing, uh, not just in Orange County, but around the league. But it's still something where, you know, we, we've sort of joked about it. You know, I, I, I'm not familiar with uh, the geography of Texas. I know it's a huge state. Uh, I was out there recently in Austin, but I'm pretty certain Austin's nowhere near where you guys are. Uh, but, you know, with Orange County, there's this competition. There's so much thing. There are so many things for people to do in this area, sporting wise and non sporting wise which just makes it difficult. Uh, whereas I think with you guys, you probably have a little bit more of a, there's not as much to do around as far as sporting events, especially, but then even just other stuff where you might be able to draw those people. So, um, you know, I, I, I would love to have this guaranteed 4,000 people at, at the stadium. I don't know about you, Dylan, uh, if what your thoughts are on that, but, uh, you know. That's 80% of our stadium. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be thrilled if that was. And especially when it's not a bunch of kids on, on day camp day. Ding, ding, ding. Um, I mean, if I could jump in, I know that uh, I think the team, I think the stadium's in Enberg. Yes, Enberg, yeah. Which is just north of McAllen, which is just north of the border. So it is, I think, closest city that I could even consider it to is like Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, South Padre Island is a big place. Nowhere near Austin, right? So I got I got to ask you this though, Dylan. Were you uh, was this off the top of your head, or did you Google it while I was talking? I actually know someone from Texas, um, oh. and she's from Galveston, and so I know a mild amount of uh, coastal ish Texas, basically uh, where Galveston is, where Corpus Christi is, and uh, that little bottom bit near uh, Mexico, which I guess. The only thing I would know there really is McAllen. That's right there on the border. <laughs> Who knew this was no, going to turn into like a geography the lesson most here of the state of Texas? <laughs> <laughs> but go on, Jacob, since you actually <laughs> live there and know actual things about this place, by all means, have at it. Yeah, so like one thing that's really tough to get fans is because obviously it's a Division Two team. When you ask fans around... And Edson and I, my other co-host, and I have talked about this before. We've said because it's a Division Two team. When you when you ask people, have you heard about this team, the RGVFC Toros? They're probably like, no. Do first off, they ask what league are they in? Obviously, you got to tell them USL. Be like, never heard of it. And then second off, <laughs> they'll ask, are they good? Obviously, right now. They're not, and they're struggling. <laughs> so people, and you you for sure know this because you're around the L.A. region, uh, people love a winning team. And if you can get a winning team, that equals more fans. So it's really tough to get those fans, especially from Mexico, like even Tampalipas, which is really close. It's like right on the border. So it's really tough to grab those fans to stay go there and watch the soccer and stay because it technically is a letdown to them. No, it makes sense. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's the USL. It's a, it's a minor league soccer t- uh, league. Uh, I've, I've even have instances where I talk to people about orange County and they're like, who is that? What is, that? I mean, they, they know what orange County is. And, and luckily we have this sort of generic name, orange County SC, orange County soccer club. So it's sort of, you know, uh, you know, you'd have to sort of, I guess, be, uh, you know, 
confused to not understand what it is that we're talking about on there. But, you know, there's lack, there is a lack of knowledge, you know, around the country of USL uh, and this soccer league. And, you know, even locally here in Orange County, there's a lack of knowledge of a professional soccer team in Orange County, whether it is Orange County or even a semi-pro team like Orange County FC or uh, whoever else might play in this area. I know there's there's a few other semi-pro teams in the area. So Cal United FC two <laughs> FC Golden State Force FC or whatever their order is. Yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of teams. It, it it sucks because you know we're all here, of course, as podcasters for USL teams because we enjoy the sport and we have this this love for not only the sport but these teams. I mean. Uh, I will say this, at least I'm talking with Dylan and myself. We love Orange County SC. We go to the matches as fans and as, you know, podcasters, uh, and we do our best to try and help spread the knowledge. I'm sure you guys do that over there on the Down in the Valley podcast, try and help, you know, spread your love for uh, professional soccer down there in your area. So it, it is tough. I get it. And, you know, you guys have it even harder because when you're losing, it's it's even, even more tough. Uh, it's tough to get people to die. You might, if, if I lived in your area, you might have been able to convince me. I was, I, I'm a longtime Clippers fan. I fell in love with the Clippers in basketball when they were this, you know, laughing stock in the league. I don't know, maybe I just have been drawn to teams that aren't the top notch teams or something, but. Oh, don't jinx it now. Come on. <laughs> Second on the table. <laughs> oh, let's see. Let's, let's try and get back on focus here about the match, though. Uh, RGV, Orange County, right? Um, who is the player that Orange County fans should, I guess, be scared of coming into this match? Well, the player that Orange County fans should be scared of hasn't really been in the lineup for a couple of matches. Aldo Quintanilla. He's normally pretty well, and he's our top striker. And so he, he's a man that when he can get the ball in the right direction, like from his teammates, he can most likely put it on frame and maybe score a goal with it. Now, that, that's one player. Two players, or this group of three players, actually, that I really like together are Bryce Marion, um, yes, Aldo Quintanilla, and also, well, actually, I take it back. Bryce Marion, um, True Enriquez, and our newest player, uh, Carlos Small. Those three players, they've when Carlos Small got to the team recently, those three players created this bond, this really good chemistry to where when Bryce Marion or even Chuy Enriquez gets off the bench, they can create this instant spark that can help them get at least maybe a second goal to close out the match or something like that. You just see a difference on pitch. And so that's a big thing to look out for. But, of course, there's other players that are really good on this squad. Like, the defensive backs are pretty good. And they're able to really stabilize this squad normally. Of course, recently, that hasn't really been the case. But they're normally able to just stay behind and try and push up forward for offense. If I could jump in, um, how's it? Uh, how is uh, Monday A team doing? I know he, he played for us last year, and, and last I saw that he had, he had signed with RGV. Yeah, Monday A team, he's been playing all right. I wouldn't say he's been playing fantastically because I bet you there's still a lot more that he could do, but it's tough 
you can only do so much with the team that you have. And yeah, Monday a team, he's a fantastic contributor to the squad as well. But with just the form that RGFC is in at the moment, it he can only play so well. There you go, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, you know, uh, as um, yeah, as an Orange County fan, you know, I'm definitely hoping for a victory in this match. Uh, you know, I I'm pretty confident that we can hopefully get a victory in this match, especially being that we're here in Orange County for that match and not having to go all the way out there to Texas for it. Uh, I know um, the players. You know, like I was talking earlier with the Portland match, I'm sure the players sort of have, uh, you know the last match in the back of their minds, you know, knowing that they dropped three points out there uh, in Texas with you guys. Uh, so I'm hoping for the big victory. I I'm sure Dylan is hoping for the big victory uh, and the three points and, um, and whatnot. But, you know, it, it seems like, you know, although RVG has been struggling uh, this season, I mean, it's definitely not a match that we should be looking past. We hopefully have, you know, we'll have the, the, uh, the focus on the match. Because that seems to be the thing that's sort of hurt Orange County this year is, is the lack of focus in certain matches, especially ones I know, Dylan, you've talked about in the past, uh, sort of playing down to the competition. Um, we've witnessed that in the Portland match where we drew against Portland, the loss to Galaxy 2 uh, a month or so ago, uh, the loss in the Open Cup to um, Golden State Force. Uh, so hopefully, uh, at least on our end, Orange County fans, uh, we don't have that that lack of focus against RVG. Uh, Jacob, is is there anything else that Orange County fans should know about uh, your team out there in Texas uh, in preparation for this weekend? Well, I mean, like, what would they really want to know about this team? Because, well, there there is one thing that there are players from Houston Dynamo that have constantly been injured and on the sidelines and like for one example of course you have none other than the legend AJ De La Garza man that guy is one of the best players that you could ever meet because he's one of the nicest players and humble because of his story is just insane either way tore his ACL last year for the Houston Dynamo at the end of the season came back rehabilitated and he's been playing now two matches with RGV. Of course, what Houston's been doing, they've been sending him down to Houston to practice with Houston Dynamo during the week and then sending him back to play with RGVFC to get him match fit to send him back to Houston. So that's what RGV has been doing with a couple of players that have been injured and they're sending them forward and back, which is Nice for RGVFC, if only they can take advantage of that. Of course, even AJ De La Garza, when we spoke to him after the match, his, the first time that he got to play at RGV, he said that even he wasn't playing up to par that he feels that he could be playing. So that's another player that you could watch out for is AJ De La Garza if he ends up making the trip to RG, or to Orange County. Excuse me. Well, and that has to be tough as a player. I don't care if you're uh, a professional in La Liga, uh, Premier League, MLS, or, or whatever, to have to be thrown in, I guess, on matches, but then 
not being able to practice with that team you're playing with. And so like when you're talking about De La Garza, he's in Houston during the week to practice and then getting flown down RGV to get match, uh, you know, match fit or whatever. You know, it, it has to be a struggle not just for him, but also for your team because you have this player that hasn't practiced with your, your team all week. And now we're saying, hey, throw him in there and play him because we want him to get some some minutes out there on the pitch. And although, you know, you might have some good communication or some similar styles, it's still just it's hard to build that chemistry between players when you're not practicing all week with those players. Uh, so, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, that could be an answer to you know some of the struggles, too. Exactly. And that's been happening all season long. We've seen it with constantly with Houston. They've sent down Eric Bird sometimes and Eric Bird uh, plays. He's actually started a couple of games with the Houston Dynamo, but. Of course, they don't tell these players when they're coming back down. They just obviously tell them, you're going back up to Houston. All right, you, we need, RGVFC needs you, or we're going to send you down to RGVFC. No complaints, whatever. And it, it's just, they don't tell them until basically that last day, which is, it's been frustrating for Edson and I when we hear that. And it, it's awesome when we get to see them play, but we know what's behind it it's kind of struggling because yeah like you said you can't build the chemistry around these players you can only build the chemistry around the players that you actually have during practice which is why even for Wilmer Cabrera which is Houston Dynamo's head coach it's got to be kind of tough to see let's say AJ De La Garza back uh, practicing with the team but then he can't put them in his lineup for the next week because most likely he'll be with, or for the next game, because most likely he'll be with RGVFC. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and do this. We've talked a little bit of, about the match. Uh, you know, I appreciate all the information you have for Rio Grande. Is it Rio Grande Valley Football Club Toros, right? Is like the official full, or do you guys just go by the abbreviation RGV? Normally we just go by the abbreviation RGV, but yes, it. <laughs> Sometimes it is nice to say Rio Grande Valley FC Toros because that that's actually what our PA announcer calls them when they come out of the tunnel. Well, hopefully you guys aren't paying, or not you guys, but hopefully the club isn't paying him by the word because uh, by having to just do that alone, that's you know a nice uh, set of words there. I always joke with our podcast; we have a pretty long podcast name. Um, and, you know, I, it's just one of those things I couldn't think of, you know, something good to go with orange uh, that can be catchy or something like that. It was just, you know, this uh, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, orange and black soccer girls. Let's go ahead and do that. But um, so let's do this because I don't want this podcast to run too long here. Uh, let's go ahead and just do some match predictions and we'll go around. And we always like to start with our guest when we do our match predictions. So, um, Jacob, what do you think for this match? What do you think the final score will be? Uh, who's going to be the key player for either team, um, you know? on this match well i think uh we will see a pretty good ref because i did hear you guys earlier talking about a ref we'll see a ref that will get 75 to 80 percent of the calls correct which is what you want to see in a ref and then that's me clapping by the way (laughs) yeah and then um yeah score prediction i guess i'll have to go with a pretty high scoring match because most likely, I, the defense won't be great for RGVFC, and who knows, maybe not for Orange County. So, three, three. All right. And uh, do you have like a, a name that you want to throw out as who's going to be the key for the match for either team? 
key for the match for either team. We'll see. I guess Carlos Small will be a key player because he'll be able to actually score a goal. And then I haven't really been able to look at you guys' well, lineups, I guess, or players, <laughs> so... I wouldn't really know anyone. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a hint. If if you if if you ever get asked this question again this season for you know key player for Orange County, you can always throw out Thomas Innovolton or Michael Seaton because they seem to be, or, or or Andre Rolls if he plays. But I mean, those just are the the three guys that seem to. I think Dylan and I are always talking about those guys every each and every episode uh, as you know picks for um, key players or players of the match. So. But awesome. <laughs> Dylan, uh, what are your thoughts uh, for uh, this match prediction key player? I will also go with a high-scoring match, but I'm not going to go with a 3-3 draw. I'm going to go with a 4-1 Orange County win. Um, I don't know how much that match earlier this season is really going to have an effect on the squad. I don't know if they're going to go out for revenge, seeing as uh, currently RGV is 13 places below on the table. But I do think that just Orange County's general position and, and this vying for first place uh, for the Western, to be Western champions coming in the season, should be enough to get them um, sufficiently focused and, and switched on for this match. Um, if I have to give a key player out, I'm actually going to give it to Christian Duke. It's been a little bit um, since the that broken nose that he picked up against the Galaxy. I think he's going to come into form. Um, he hasn't scored for us in league play this season, but he's been there um, constantly setting up with uh, Aiden Quinn for Enneboltson and uh, Seton to put the final touches on net. Um, not saying that Duke is going to score. I'd love it if he did, um, but I'd say he'll probably bag a couple assists, so I'll give it out to him. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick OC to win as well. I'm going to go 3-0. I think Andre Rolls will have a solid uh, performance between the goalpost. Um, you know, you know, hoping he's back there in the starting lineup. Uh, he's with the team on that. Um, and uh, I, I, I agree with you, Dylan. I just think this uh, at this point of the season, we're heading down the final stretch of the season. And I think the players see that prize at the end of the tunnel there. Uh, you know, the, they see that cup sort of shimmering a little bit there in their future with where they're sitting at the table with how they've been playing. And uh, I don't know, you know, if, you know, Jacob, you're not probably not a big Orange County soccer club fan or follower, but uh, I, I just love how this front office has invested in this team, has brought in all these key um, experienced players to join the team. Darwin Jones, Kevin Alston, Josh uh, Hoyveld, uh, all these key players that have played big minutes either in MLS or across the world that are now coming in and contributing to us. So, um, I, 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 I hate to do this to you and, and agree with Dylan that OC should come out victorious on this, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not just our homerism on there. I just, I, I, I'm feeling pretty good on this match. Yeah. And I would too, no lie, because it's just the way that, like I've said in this, even right now, just the way that RGVFC has been playing they haven't been playing phenomenally or, or really impressive soccer to even any of my my colleagues. We've just been questioned, and why is this happening to our team? And so, with the way that RGVFC has been playing, sure, it's probably it's pro yeah, it's possible that it's going to be three one, three nil, 
but obviously I'm hoping f that RGVFC can can prove us wrong, can prove me wrong at least, and show that they're at least in it for a fight, even though they'll most likely not make the playoffs, but can maybe ruin someone else's dream of even taking the crown. So it's one of those ways where you cope, but most likely in reality, you're going to get destroyed. No, it makes sense. It's, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. And it's one of those things, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier, and I'm sure Dylan will agree with me, as long as Orange County isn't playing down to the competition in this, um, like they've shown they can do sometimes here, um, it, it should be good. But just the way they've been playing recently and with this, you know, you're, when you're reaching this point of the season and you see that you're second in the table and you are doing pretty well for yourselves out there, just sort of in a great run of form, getting that chemistry built up. I think this is the point of the season where, uh, you know, a team like Orange County can sort of see that prize at the at the end of the road there. So, right, Dylan? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> as, as we move on to the final few weeks of this, this, this season and um, into the playoffs, as I think we will handily... Um, make it in at this point um, that playing down to other teams levels isn't going to be as much of an issue um, I'm expecting some some last last minute teams to get in um, to those bottom two spots of the uh, of the playoffs this season but I think even against that competition I think Orange County's got the quality to, to see through um, and, and to be confident and focused enough to to move on and, and get pretty deep this year perfect uh so um i think at that point uh, at this point we've talked about the las vegas match we've got our couple of matches that are coming up here i think it's a good time to uh, sort of wrap up this uh recording in this episode here uh, i i want to do like we do almost well like we do every episode here just give our uh everyone here a chance to sort of some final uh a final thought, final words, or anything like that. So let's go ahead and start off with uh, with Dylan. Do you have any final thoughts or any interesting things you want to share with our listeners? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. Um, go County, and then uh, hopefully I'll see some of you out there on uh, Saturday night. Awesome. And uh, Jacob, do you have any uh, any interesting thoughts, tidbits, anything you want to share with our, our listeners? Yeah, my thing is for the lineups just for even orange county fans look out for who's going to be a goalie because i forgot that it's really weird rgvfc has kind of had a couple of goalie changes like from one time it'll be nico cordy and then another time they'll get houston dynamo's third string uh michael nelson and now of course with tyler Derrick getting unsuspended we or unsuspended I guess um, we could see him at goal as well to get back to form before maybe he will get let off or something around that corner and also for Orange County what will be I guess because I got this question from my colleague there and he was wanting to know about the air condition because of course uh, when we played against, not, yeah, I think it was Sacramento, it wasn't the best air quality, and so I was wondering about that as well. Well, um, you know, a smog wise, we always have smog out in the air here in, in Southern California. 
uh, doesn't isn't typically horrible unless we have really bad winds. But I'm sure you're questioning more about with the fires and stuff that have been going on around the state. Um, luckily for us here in Southern California, Orange County, most of the major, major fires have been up north. We did have a pretty big fire here over the last couple of weeks, um, not too far from the stadium as well. Um, there was only a couple days, though, uh, where the, the air quality was pretty bad um, because of that fire, where the wind was just blowing right towards, uh, towards our area. Uh, it, you know, for those of you, especially for you, uh, uh, Jacob, because you're not from the area, but the the fire was in these uh, these low lying mountains that are, you know, basically border Orange County and Riverside County, and uh, the fires sort of were spreading more towards Riverside County, so it wasn't really uh, threatening Orange County after the initial you know couple of damaged uh, uh, cabins, uh, but. Uh, there was a couple of days where the smoke was heading out our way. Luckily, Orange County was on the road. I think that's when they were out in Phoenix uh, for some matches or for their match. So, um, you, you know, when you guys come out here on Saturday, unless, you know, we have crazy weather, there's crazy heat, uh, you know, uh, you know, you never know a fire can happen at any time. But barring any, you know, crazy happen happenings here over the next week or the next few days, um, the air quality shouldn't be any worse than it typically is. You have, you have any thoughts on that, Dylan? Yeah, um, so the way the, the air quality is... God, I really am just an encyclopedia of useless knowledge. <laughs> the way that air quality is kind of measured is a, it's a scale from 0 to 500, 0 being clearest and 500 being, I don't know, probably the apocalypse. Um, anything below, I would say, like 75 isn't terrible, and um, this week we've been hovering around 70 um in the middle of a of a fire or near a fire you're probably going to have something uh in between 100 and 200 um where you really they recommend you really shouldn't be outside exercising so air quality is gonna be a lot better um that fire that's uh ray was mentioning is about or was about um 10 miles north of the stadium um that's almost fully contained now so it should be a nice uh, clear night uh, with the breeze that rolls through most nights at the stadium yeah, luckily, uh, being with the, where the stadium is, I mean, Orange County is not huge, and you know, we have a nice, nice coastline along pretty much most of the county there. And when you get that nice coastal breeze, usually in the evenings you get that. Um, it helps clear the air. You get that nice ocean air, as opposed to when you have every once in a while the Santa Anas, where we get that nasty Inland Empire air. Um, but yeah, like Dylan said, the fire's pretty much contained, and that that breeze from the coast helps out. So I mean. Uh, unless some crazy thing happens between now and Saturday, uh, the air quality shouldn't be a big issue. All right, that's good to know. <laughs> my my um, you know, my colleagues will enjoy that for sure. Well, and, and here's what I just got to say is who knew when you started playing this podcast, listeners, that you were going to get a geography lesson of Texas and now uh, some scientific air quality analysis from Dylan, our host. uh <laughs> Tweet at me for useless knowledge, everyone. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'll see what I could come up with for you. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else we can answer for you, Jacob, or any other questions you or your colleagues had uh, that we can possibly answer for you? I, th I think that really sums it up for there. That's really nice to know that the air quality will be much better and that looking like it will be a go for the game at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see any... Like I said, unless there's something happens between now and Wednesday where a new fire pops up, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't see any concerns about the game starting. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and do this. Oh, you know, my last tidbit, I guess, that I got to throw it, and this is just sort of off topic, off soccer. 
a family that lives out in Hawaii, and apparently there's this nice big hurricane that potentially is heading out there. So just, you know, my, my thoughts with them, and hopefully that hurricane doesn't damage much out there in Hawaii. I uh, just wanted to throw that out just for some good, uh, good you know, vibes out there in the uh, podcast world, and hopefully that just sort of um, helps wear things out because, you know, you never want to deal with that stuff. I know you, uh, Jacob, in Texas, you guys have probably dealt with some hurricanes in the past, so they're not the, the, the nicest things, uh, especially when they hit you pretty hard. Oh, yeah, no, they're not. Luckily, we – funny story where we're, we were, we missed – uh, McAllen and Edinburgh missed everything that could have been with Hurricane Harvey. It hit Houston the hardest and everywhere else. But then about two, maybe three months ago, this it just kept raining where I lived. And it ended up flooding because obviously pipes are only made to carry so much water. Well, it overfilled the pipes, and so they had a bit of flooding. So that wasn't great either. So I know how bad things can get in a hurry because that was only about three days of maybe close to a week of rain. So, yeah, I know how bad it can get in a hurry. No, definitely. So, uh, you know, just hoping, you know, good vibes out there in Hawaii. I know if, if we have any podcast listeners, A, thanks for listening to an Orange County Soccer Club podcast out there in Hawaii, and B, just hope you guys stay safe out there. Uh, just like anytime there's any major issues, the fires in California or any other major stuff, uh, just try and stay safe because uh, that's that's the most important thing. Sports is just entertainment, but uh, safety is always uh, a big thing for everyone. So. Um, before we go ahead and wrap this up really quick, Jacob, I just want to give you a chance if you want to go ahead and just sort of let our listeners know where they can hear more from you or from your, your partner, um, or any other information where they can follow you on social media. If you want to share that with our listeners. All right. Well, you can follow me at Jacob young four, five, six. That's on Twitter. And then also follow, if you want to follow down in the RGV, that's also our Twitter handle and uh, we post we go live on our videos on Down in the Valley YouTube page obviously the best way to find us would be type in on YouTube Down in the Valley Soccer and uh, follow me Jake Young 456 on Twitter also follow Edson Ochoa the other man I believe E underscore Ochoa 8 on Twitter and yeah, it seems about about it. <laughs> and make sure you also you can catch you know if you don't want to watch the live uh, feed, you can always find their recordings of their um, podcast on the BGN BGN.fm, uh, which is always a great place to find them and everyone else. Uh, so awesome. Well, uh, Jacob, I want to thank you for taking some time to join us. I know you're out in Texas. We record this late on on the Pacific Coast, and I saw that it makes it even later for you uh, out there in Texas. So I appreciate uh, taking some time. Uh, educating our listeners about RVG and just sort of giving us some uh, some info on how things have been going for you guys. Um, you know, it's 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 awesome when we can get a guest from uh, some of these other podcasts because, like I said, Dylan and I we love soccer, but we we're not experts of, of all the teams, especially um, some of those USL teams that we don't see too often. So thank you. Yeah, of course. The biggest thing is just for soccer to unite us it doesn't we don't have to hate each other for soccer we just need to unite this of course we're i know we're probably all fans of the united states men's national team and just the united states soccer association in general and so of course one of the steps is to 
get involved with your local teams and this is one way to do it and this is why i also love to talk love to get informa information out to everyone because that's just a fantastic feeling when you can get more people to join with you because we want to rebuild this men's national team and this is one way too yeah, definitely and i think that's like our quote on the back of the uh the supporter shirt right dylan it's like support your local team or your local club or yeah support your local club yeah so i mean it's 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 basically uh, i'm gonna say it right now it's the reason most of these people are orange county soccer local fans is not because you know this is like this is a storied franchise or a storied team it's because it's your local team and you want to just have love for your local club just like you want to support your local businesses you want to support your local team so it's that's amazing um, yeah, with that said, uh, one last thing, Dylan, uh, I want to just ask you just, you know, this is just on us here, you know, this Monday, uh, Tottenham, Man U, who's going to win? Tottenham? Tottenham, yes, awesome. Yeah, oh my god, I, I think I've said it a few times now, but I am, I grew up a United fan and now could care less about <laughs> that team. Um, I, Michael Carrick retired, and so that was the last little bit of that team I really cared about. <laughs> Jacob, do you just support? Do you support any Premier League team? Um, well, let, let's be real. Not <laughs> at least this year because my team, Stoke City, because of Jeff Cameron, Oof. got relegated. So that wasn't great. I like um, Mo Salah, which who who couldn't Mohamed Salah. So I wouldn't really call myself a Liverpool supporter. I've just been watching a ton of premier league games though just to follow it because why not and so yeah what i have noticed is that jose Mourinho, at least this year has not really done too well with the start of manchester united's season so yeah i do believe for that game that tottenham hotspurs will be able to come away with that win Ooh, i like that i like hearing that <laughs> if you didn't know jacob i'm a, a huge tottenham supporter i uh, we're out here in California. I had to go to the opening match at like four in the morning to a bar to go watch it. Um, and Dylan used to be a big uh, Man U supporter, but apparently he's uh, he's fallen off that, and now he's just hardcore Orange County. Yeah, I've I've journeyed my way down the leagues, so <laughs> supporting a, a League One team now, and of course Orange County. Awesome. Who's who's your League One team? Uh, Luton Town. Luton, nice. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was just... my League Two team. But Just yeah. one, ah. two nil uh, last night. All right, so we got these. <laughs> name me a player oh, on Luton Town, Dylan. Come on, name me a, name me a player. Danny Hilton, Damn. Dan Potts, <laughs> Mark Stesch, James Shea, who got a clean sheet. <laughs> uh, Pelly Roddick Mapanzu, James Justin. Dude, Andrew look Shinny. at you, man. Yeah. He's the Wikipedia of Luton Town right there with the, 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 the logo that has some sort of random derby hat or something on it. So, Right? Is that the right team? Yeah, All right. yeah, they've got a hat. They are the Hatters. Um, it's what the uh, the town was known for at a time. <laughs> All right, now before this podcast just starts rambling on to other stuff, now we got to just sort of cut this off because I, I I'm sure Dylan and I and I'm sure Jacob, you could we could talk soccer pretty much all night long if we really wanted to but I, i'm sure our listeners don't want to listen to a 10-hour podcast of soccer rambling so we're going to go ahead and cut it off here i want to thank all of our listeners those of you that have joined us and listened since day one thanks for coming back each and every episode for those of you that have just joined us and want to hear more of what we have to say go ahead and check us out um you know we're on all the major podcast uh, networks we're also on bgn.fm you can find our info at Angels on Parade, which is part of SB Nation. Uh, and go to our website, www.orangeandblack 
orangesoccercast.com. You can find all of our podcast episodes, links to all the Orange uh, County Soccer Club news. We've created this little wonderful streaming radio station that has past episodes, some music that you hear at the stadium, some playlists that Dylan and I have uh, have curated, I believe is what Dylan uh, likes to say on that. Uh, so check all of that out. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. And uh, follow uh, Jacob and his uh, his awesome podcast out there in Texas, down in the Valley, uh, to learn more about them. Uh, thanks for tuning in. This is Ray Samora. And for Dylan and Jacob, we're out. Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.